Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Wednesday, November 24th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about Hawkeye, episode one and two. That's Never Meet Your Heroes and Hide and Seek. This is Slash Home editorial director Peter Soretta. And joining me, as always, is Slash Home senior writer Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Okay, so we both saw this episode a couple weeks back because we got screeners uh, yes. I should also mention that we'll be off tomorrow giving thanks, but we'll be back on Friday. So uh, come join us again on Friday and hope everybody has a wonderful vacation. And um, but uh, so the first two episodes aired on Disney Plus last night, starting at midnight, as always tends to happen. Now it's a is it is it always going to be a Wednesday thing now, Brad? Yeah, because uh, they actually like. Pretty much everything that Disney Plus is doing is going to be like a Wednesday thing now. They they decided yeah. to shift from Fridays. Okay, let's. Uh, usually we start off with our feedback, go into brief reaction, go into our breakdown, and end with speculation, uh, because this is the first episode of this uh, TV show recap podcast. We don't really have any feedback from you guys, but if you want to send in your comments concerns theories speculation you can do so send it to peter at slash home.com uh that takes us into our brief thoughts brad what do you think of the first two episodes of hawkeye uh, i mostly enjoy the first two episodes of the series so far um it's it's refreshing to have a a low stakes street level series again after all the big uh world ending stakes we've had with the um conclusion of the infinity saga um, even, you know, with Eternals and whatnot, and everything's been so big, you know, because it's Marvel movies and obviously they're big blockbusters. So the stakes pretty much have to be big, even with Black Widow, you know, something that was uh, kind of more low key, but that, you know, turned into uh, a big battle in the sky again, you know, so uh, I like being um, on the ground and having this be a lot more straightforward action. It doesn't rely on a lot of uh, CGI sequences. There aren't any crazy creatures or aliens running around. It's um, Hawkeye, and he meets Kate Bishop, and he's trying to keep her safe. Yeah, um, and that's where we're at so far. I will say, I think that one of the things that is a little bit frustrating, and 
it's probably just because they're slow rolling and it's only a six episode series. So you just kind of have to be a little bit patient, I guess. And that's, they don't really give you much to go on as far as like the plot involving the villains. It's still very much under wraps. We don't know what they're up to or anything like that. And I think that there is also a drop in cinematic quality between the first and second episodes. The first movie really does feel on par with a Marvel Studios movie, even with the the lower stakes and, and street level action. Uh, but the action sequences are very well done. It's 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 shot um, very well, and it's it's very engaging, especially the, from the opening sequence. But the second episode starts to feel more like uh, almost like a network uh, buddy cop procedural, and it's not all that exciting. Gets a little bit silly. And uh, why, why do you think that is? Do you have any theories? Part of me thinks that for a, a show that's focused on Hawkeye, who maybe isn't necessarily like the most popular. Um, or powerful character that they had to do something that started the show with a bang to get people interested and so they probably put a lot into making that first episode hook you in and I think that's also part of the reason why the first episode has that cliffhanger but I think they also realized that that cliffhanger was maybe too much and that they needed to show people what uh, Clint and Kate would be doing together in the second episode and so I'm, I'm betting that they're probably saving uh, some of their, their budget and whatnot for uh, later in the series as it goes on, because I'm sure there's more action to come. Uh, but it, it definitely feels like they had to slow their roll a little bit in the second episode. Yeah, I had uh, both the notes that you gave there uh, strong in my in my actual notes that I have in front of me, uh, which is that, you know, I, I enjoy the ground level uh, nature of this series. Uh, you know, I, you know, I do like that Marvel movies and shows tend to go big, but I, you know, I also like these, more street level stories and i like that uh number one the sixth place in new york city during christmas that is just like a sweet spot for me i love stories that take place over like the course of like one night or like one week of time and it seems like at least from what i'm judging it it seems like it's gonna be like one day per episode or something like that yeah because it's six days till christmas at the beginning and six episodes so i'm betting we'll end on christmas day yeah, I love that this doesn't take itself too seriously as well. Uh, going into this, I got to say, Hawkeye is probably one of my least liked characters in the MCU. I did, or as a, at least uh, of the main Avengers, I just was not excited for you know a Hawkeye movie or TV show or whatever. Um, when I when I put it on, uh, Kitra didn't know what I was putting on. She's like, oh. Hawkeye. I don't care about Hawkeye. And then by the end of the second episode, she was like, oh, I like this. <laughs> so so um, I think that's a, a good testament. Um, I will say that I am, even though I think this show does give Hawkeye more humility and um, I do end up liking the character more after these first two episodes, I am enjoying the Kate Bishop stuff more than like the Clint Barton stuff. But um, I'm guessing, you know, this is gonna these are gonna collide more as we go on. It's gonna become more of uh, one thing than two two things. Um, and uh, yeah, I, it does. I do agree with you, Brad, that the filmmaking feels not like a you know Disney Plus or Netflix caliber series. It feels almost like network television. Uh, I'm not sure why it is. I I wonder if it's because I don't even think it's the scale. I don't think it's like um, you know, that things got smaller in the second episode. 
it just feels like the way it's shot feels more like, oh, let's get the the wide shot and the close-ups, and it doesn't feel as exciting cinematically. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyways, okay. We have a lot to talk about because we've got two episodes here. So uh, let's go into the breakdown. Uh, so this is loosely based on the Matt Fraction comic book of the same name, and he's a producer here. Did you read the comic book, Brad? No, I haven't, and I almost did because I, I was going to be reviewing this series, but I actually thought it would end up being better if I didn't so that I didn't have any expectations and I wasn't constantly comparing the, <laughs> the, the series to the comic. But I do want to read the comic because I've heard nothing but good things about it, and just based on like some of the artwork that I've seen, um, which we'll also discuss since it's directly referenced in the opening credit sequence, um, it, it makes me want want to read it. So I, I would like to at some point. I highly recommend the comic. Matt Fraction is one of my favorite comic writers, and uh, this series is great. I haven't read it in a few years, although I did some research for this episode, so I'll, I'll bring up some differences. It It's interesting because there's a lot that's the same about the comic, and then there's a lot that's different about the comic. Because the comic, he's like, div uh, Hawkeye's divorced. He's living in... Uh, I think Brooklyn or something like that. And it's, it's really like this tracksuit mafia kind of uh, they kind of control that area. And it's very much about them kind of terrorizing like his neighbors and stuff like that. And it doesn't go much bigger from what I remember than that. Uh, this is, it's a, it seems like it's, it's going to go bigger than what the comic did. I could be misremembering there. So don't quote me anyways. Okay. So this uh, into the breakdown, uh, this begins with the Marvel uh, opening. Did you notice it's it's a little bit different? Yeah, and um, one of the, the major differences is that they added Shang-Chi into the Marvel yeah. logo. You can see him appear in the M of the Marvel Studios logo uh, just before you see the whole thing. Yeah, I did not notice that the first feeling, but I, I noticed on the second one. Um, so the opening scene here is a flashback to 2012. And when, the, when that year came up on screen, I was like, oh, are they doing this? Yes, they're doing it. They're going back to the Battle of New York. But the, the cool thing about this is they're not showing it uh, in the way we've seen it in the past. We're seeing it we're seeing this battle that took place in Avengers one from a civilian point of view. So we're seeing these iconic moments from different angles. What did you think of this whole opening sequence? Uh, this was a great way to open the series and I, I wasn't expecting it until, you know, you see that 2012 and you're in New York and you're like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was very cool to see um, how it happens from basically just like, you know, a normal New Yorkers perspective, you know, we get to, um, meet young Kate Bishop and see how she was affected by the Battle of New York. She, um, her parents' luxurious New York apartment wasn't too far down from where everything was happening, and uh, she. It's cool to see that she was actually directly saved uh, by Hawkeye. And and what's even cooler is that they don't do any retconning necessarily to make this happen. They just made a moment from the Avengers that we um, previously saw from a different angle work from kate bishop's perspective which was very cool to see how they pulled that off yeah i love that shot that like we're in the close-up of hawkeye falling and then we see uh the building in the background i don't know it's it's just a great shot there's a whole great sequence they have that one shot of yeah, like running a, around yeah, a great single take around the apartment as the aliens and the leviathans are swarming around yeah, we should mention that the parents are arguing about having to sell the penthouse apartment. Uh, Eleanor um, doesn't want to. The father, I don't remember the father's name off the top of Derek, my head. Derek. Derek. He he doesn't want to, but it seems like they are poor. 
Uh, and uh, at, at that moment, I think Eleanor says the solution isn't going to come, isn't going to fall out of the sky. Well, turns out, Brad, the solution apparently fell out of the sky and killed Derek. And I'm guessing there was some insurance money there because next time we see them, they're still in that apartment, which costs yeah. a lot of money. And I'm I'm wondering if uh, <laughs> that really is what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I we are on the same page here, Brad. I think let's uh let's hold that to speculation, maybe. Yeah. Um. Okay. So in the comics, though, I I do want to say that in it's Eleanor who died, not the father. Um. And then end up showing up years later and was working with the bad guys. She was alive. She was evil. Um. Anyways, so her her dad is killed. Hawkeye saved the, her life. Um, Kate dedicated her life to training uh, in archery, fencing, karate, gymnastics. And we see this through an opening animated title sequence that's done in the style of the Matt Fraction run of the comic book series, which is just great. Uh, it's interesting to see an opening title sequence that's used as like a story montage and doesn't come back in the second episode. Do you think we're going to get another opening title sequence or? I don't think so. I, I think that that um, I feel like that th- this was the purpose of that was to fill in Kate Bishop's origin story through the credit sequence. Give us a little bit more background as to what she did between 2012 and present day when we meet her again so that they don't have to constantly go back and forth and, and flashback and reveal those details within the series itself. And it works really well because it's, it's not something you necessarily need scenes to explain. You know, it's it's good to have it in there as visual storytelling told in a very simple way. Yeah, it's just it, I I think it's so interesting because we've seen this done in movies before. Because you know you only need one opening title sequence in a movie, and you can use that to tell uh, to not just be like uh, an artistic thing, but to actually uh, push forward the story. But we we don't really see this much in TV where it's used kind of as a montage and then never comes back again it almost feels like this is almost like a six-hour movie in a way the way it's uh set up with that opening title sequence anyways um i did mention that eleanor died and then wasn't dead in the comics do you think without getting into the speculation i think you're gonna go in do you think there's any chance her dad actually wasn't killed um, probably not, but okay. I do think that the circumstances surrounding his death will be part of something potentially interesting that happens. I, I, I think you might be correct. Uh, okay. So we cut to present day. Brad, does this annoy you that Marvel, it annoys me that Marvel keeps on using this present day thing in the sense that if I, if I show these films to someone five years from now, that doesn't tell me how much longer than from the last. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it gives me no indication in the timeline of where I am. Yeah, that's that's fair. But I also think like if you're going to be watching these movies, you're probably going to be watching them in order and you're going to have some kind of context for like how things have unfolded yeah. and what's happened. So you don't necessarily need to know. And like and honestly, like. It, this is more for Marvel's benefit than it is for ours anyway, because it gives them some leeway <laughs> to play with things and not have a, a, a you know firm, fixed timeline that allows them to introduce other characters and explain other things that may have happened in between movies if they ever need to do that. 
Yeah, for sure. So Kate is like any rich kid away at school and she uh, is, uh, uh, what would you call it? Uh, Trying to do bad things. uh, Well, it's it's like, it's it's basically, it's a bet that's made between her friend and it's kind of meant to be like a college prank. Yeah, exactly. And it, it results in her getting expelled for destroying the stained tower. Which, Brad, did you know what the tower was named after? I did. I did notice this and because I, I was surprised by it. Um, the Stain Tower is named after Obadiah Stain, who is the Iron Man villain played by Jeff Bridges. Uh, the tower itself was uh, erected in 1725, um, but then it was rededicated on July 1st, 2006 by Obadiah Stain. And if you're wondering why the university still has a tower in dedication to a character who turned out to betray not just Tony Stark, but the United States by selling Stark Industries military weapons to terrorists. It's because S.H.I.E.L.D. covered that up and did not reveal the details of Obadiah Stane's death. So as far as the public is concerned, he is not a bad guy and his name remains in good standing. I was going to ask you that question. I didn't know the answer. That is, that is okay. That's good. Um, okay, so the series takes place over the course of like a week leading up to Christmas, like uh, six days. Um, nothing better than a Christmas movie set in New York City. Um, and so I, I'm really enjoying this. There's The next scene we see takes place at uh, on Broadway or off-Broadway at Rogers the Musical. This is a musical based on the life of Steve Rogers. What did you think of this whole thing? sequence oh this was so goofy and fun i i love that it's it's um whether it's off broadway or on broadway like it has the flair of you know a big musical but it's done in a low rent fashion with like the cheapest looking (laughs) costumes and uh super a super cheesy take on the battle of new york but i like how they incorporated little details from the mcu and the avengers like the reference the entire song is based around uh, Steve Rogers phrase, I could do this all day, which is hilarious. And then there's like lyrics that reference Tony Stark grabbing the nukes in the final battle. And then and it's it's hard to hear part of uh, the lyrics, but um, because dialogue starts between Hawkeye and his daughter, but the phrases about Hawkeye are so generic. Like it says something about how he's such a good guy. And <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a really funny sequence to pay attention to. Yeah. Couldn't they get gotten Hulk a better costume? It's like a guy with like a green T-shirt or something. It's it's a hoodie <laughs> or a hoodie, yeah. Uh, the, the Iron Man was flying around. That was fun. That is true. Uh, and also, a uh, fun fact: the everyone playing the the people on stage for the production are real Broadway actors, uh, and you can even see Rent actor Adam Pascal as one of the the New Yorkers who's uh, singing in the sequence. So that's really cool. And uh, Mark Shaman, I think he's the composer behind. Broadway hits like Hairspray, and he did the Disney movie Mary Poppins Returns. He did the music there. Uh, he wrote alongside his longtime collaborator, Scott Whitman, uh, this song, which I think is now online. So now uh, I think it came online right before we recorded this podcast, Brad. So you could actually go back and hear all the lyrics in the the full song which song I, I wish they would just play like the full sequence as if it were being presented like at the Tonys yeah. or something like that yeah and of course during this uh by the way it's hilarious uh during the sequence it, it, like the whole story is kind of bastardized uh ant-man is there for some reason he's not supposed to be there we see quint uh kind of looking at black widow and that's making him depressed because you know obviously the last time he saw her uh was when she died uh and we learned during this sequence that Hawkeye now wears a hearing aid, 
which uh, is because of all the explosions that he's dealt with. We learned about that in episode two. I do think, and I think it's interesting that they didn't explain it until episode two. It left people kind of wondering what had happened. Yeah. By the way, that was a funny way of explaining it, the way they yeah. did it in the movie, yeah, or in the show. Um, so, yeah, this show does a good job of getting me to care about this character that I otherwise didn't really care about. Uh, later in the show, I think uh, in the episode two, yeah, uh, uh, we see his kid learning sign language so that he will be able to communicate with him. Yeah. Uh, do you think in the course of the show we will see him lose all hearing? I do wonder if, uh, yeah, he will go um, completely deaf by the end of the show. And part of me wonders if maybe that could lead into his potential retirement, joining, you know, the likes of uh, Steve Rogers not being in action anymore. Obviously, Tony Stark uh, sacrificed himself. And so I wonder if we'll slowly see the uh, uh, Natasha, obviously, also being dead. Um, if we'll just solely see the main Avengers just kind of stepping down and making way for whether it's young Avengers or just a new team of the main Avengers. That's, I think that's uh, definitely possible. Yeah. Uh, in the bathroom, he's asked for a selfie by someone at a urinal and there's graffiti that says Thanos was right, which I think is interesting because so far in MCU, we we've seen some faction of people that thought things were better during the blip. Like in Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, you know, there's that whole uh, – uh, or they the Flag Smashers yeah. who thought things were better. And there, there's other people that thought thing, the, the world was better off when there was less people. There was less pollution. There was less problems. Um, but this is the first time that we're seeing our, the whole Thanos was right thing that like kind of became a meme of, of sorts after uh, – after Infinity War in uh, our world. So uh, what do you think of bringing that into the the storyline? It's a cool real world thing, I think, you know, because on one hand, uh, it's you it's weird for Hawkeye, I'm sure, to see something that's so dismissive of, you know, what the Avengers did to bring everybody back. And like, it's kind of a slap in his face. But at the same time, I felt like the look on his face was almost one of like, yeah, you know what? Maybe you're right. <laughs> because, because like he he's clearly annoyed by that person who's like you know asking for a selfie selfie in the bathroom of all places and he I, I you get the sense throughout this first episode especially that hawkeye is very uncomfortable being regarded uh as a superhero you know like when the, they're out to dinner and the restaurant you know pays for his bill because you know he saved the world and uh it just seems like he is um he's not like i i have the feeling that like this series being set during the holidays is going to be something uh, where Clint Barton is something akin to the Grinch who stole Christmas, where he's not really necessarily grumpy about the holiday <laughs> or anything like that, but he is a very cynical kind of jaded person. I think this is going to be something where like he ends up having his heart softened by the end of the series. Oh, for sure. Uh, and I, I like how the, the thinness was right, even though it's not really played as this. It's, it, it reminds me of like when like the Vietnam War was going on and people would come back from the war to like the United States where there was like protests, graffiti, like basically, you know, you, you, you just like sp- risked your life. <laughs> and you come back to that. Yeah, uh, for sure. Well, I think that there, there's that's that's what a lot of the uh, you know, even the thing with the musical for the, uh, the Battle of New York, I think a big part of the reason that it. Um, that that comes in after seeing how that opening sequence plays out is it shows kind of how these big events like enough time has passed that they've started to become commercialized and used as like stories for for entertainment but for someone like Hawkeye and for the rest of the Avengers these are 
these are traumatic experiences still, you know, no matter, it doesn't matter that they're superheroes, like they're, they're fighting for their life. They're fighting for our lives. And so it's, it's roughly the, the same, you know, kind of thing. There's trauma there. And so it's not, you know, uh, something to sing and dance about. I was going to say that's totally unbelievable, Brad. We, we haven't seen like a nine 11 musical, but we have seen nine 11 movies like yeah, exactly. within like a year or two after the, or a few years, right? Uh-huh. Maybe it wasn't a year or two. Maybe it was like five years, but still, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, it is the commercialization of of that story. Uh, okay, so Kate learns f- her mom is dating uh, another man, and he has a mustache and slicked back hair, so he must be a bad guy. Uh, he's moved into the house while she was away at high, at school, and. Uh, uh, put swords all over the house and uh initially the the mom and uh her boyfriend are hiding the fact that they're engaged she finds out later whatever so this all leads to the fact that like she doesn't trust this guy he, uh he has obsession with swords we learned his surname is what is his surname is jack duquesne duquesne and in the comics the character is the swordsman yes and he met Quint as a child and trained him in swords. Do you think we're going to see that play out in the show? Uh, not necessarily that like he trained him in swords, but I, I do wonder if there will be some kind of history between uh, Clint and Jack or whether maybe even Clint and Jack's father. Um, maybe something that comes from uh, his days as Ronan encountering him in the criminal underworld or, or something like that. Or maybe even something further back in Clint's history. Yeah, a battle of two surrogate fathers for her. Um, in the comic, uh, Clint, Clint found out that the that his mentor was a criminal and basically turned on him. Uh, do you think? Do you think Jack is a bad guy? Do you, like is the assumption correct? I mean, he is at this like auction dealing with like illegal goods, by auctioning off illegal goods. He clearly broke and he's marrying into it's a it's kind of insinuated that he's married the reason why he's marrying her is to get money is he a bad guy i guess is the question (laughs) i think that he um is going to turn out to be a sleazy guy and maybe doing some nefarious things but i don't think that he's going to end up being the the bad guy yeah the primary bad guy or even quite as bad of a guy as uh kate thinks yeah on one hand he was trying to let her win at the 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 uh, the fencing so um yeah so uh in the comics uh hawkeye is divorced like i said in this one he his wife and uh, family were brought back from the blip and uh brad did you know one of the daughters is played by one of the daughters of the russo brothers so I've actually I actually found that out in the time between uh, um, Endgame came out and the show that that was actually one of the Russo's uh, yeah. daughters. So uh, <laughs> so they they snuck her into the 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 film, uh, not knowing that eventually that they were going to have to make a Hawkeye show. Right. And then now now you know what was supposed to be just a cameo starring your, your daughter has now you know propelled her into a. Uh, supporting role in a Disney Plus show. And it's kind of interesting to me. It actually makes me think I wonder if their daughter has aspirations of actually being an actress yeah. because if it were troublesome for them to keep that up, they could have easily swapped it out because that's exactly what they're doing 
um, for Scott Lang's daughter for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. She was played by a different actress as the grown-up version of Cassie Lang in Avengers Endgame. And then now Catherine Newton from Freaky is going to be playing her in Quantumania. So it's not as if they couldn't swap out actresses and Good point. Have, play the same role. Okay, so Jack's uncle, Armin Duquesne, threatens Kate's mom uh, and ends up dead the next day. He didn't seem to want them to get married and insinuates that Jack has no money, as I said. Uh, is uh, Who killed Armin? Who do you think killed Armin? Uh, well, so this is the speculation part, <laughs> part, I guess. I'm, I'm willing to bet that uh, Kate's mom, Eleanor, is the one behind it. And she's clearly feigning knowing exactly why Armin Duquesne was mad at her because – one of the lines you hear when uh, Kate is sneaking nearby and listening to what they're saying is, uh, is uh, Armin says, I have powerful friends too, which implies that Eleanor clearly has some uh, some muscle behind her that some, some people that can uh, help create trouble for others. Yes. Uh, what do you think of Vera Farmiga in this series? I usually like her. I liked her in um, Up in the Air. Uh, but in this show, I, I'm not really digging her so far. I mean, I think that she doesn't have a lot to do right now. I think um, she's – because I think that she probably has um, underlying motivations and she's doing bad things behind Kate's back, that she has to keep up the appearance of just being um, a good mother or as good of a mother as she, she can be. Um, I don't think she's doing anything incredible here, but I, I think she's perfectly fine. You know, I think that um, – There'll, there'll probably be a turn when there's a very likely reveal that she is probably a villain in this case. Um, and we might get more of a, uh, I don't know, substantial performance from her. But but yeah, I, I think she's fine here. Yeah. Okay. So Kate finds a one-eyed dog it, uh, in the comics. It, it, you know, she, well, it, even in the show, she feeds some pizza and she ends up, uh, it ends up being named Lucky the Pizza Dog. Um there was actually a whole issue. See, this is why you need to read the comics, Brad, because there's a whole issue of the comics that is told just from the dog's perspective. I've heard about that, and it sounds very cool. It won an Eisner. It won both the Eisner and Harvey Awards for best comic issue, oh, which wow. is basically like winning in comics. It's like if it won both the Golden Globe and the Oscar. Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, awesome. Yeah, so um, – Anyway, so Kate sneaks into a secret black market auction where rich people bid on questionable of items of questionable origins, and uh, in this case, the objects were removed from the rubbles of the Avengers compound, which was destroyed in Avengers Endgame. And Jack is really trying to win Ronan's sword. You know, he has a thing for swords, um, it seems, and uh, the costume is also up for auction. And uh, no one's questioning why the Avengers have. The sword and the costume. I mean, maybe they apprehended the Ronin. Who knows? Um, yeah, I'm sure that's the assumption. Uh, so in the comics, it's completely different, actually. There's a uh, – it's a videotape that was uh, the, the MacGuffin. It was it had footage of Clint assassinating a dictator that uh, was what the bad guys were after. So here it's the – it's a watch. What do, you, what do you think is going on here with the watch? Because it doesn't look like anything we've seen before. It doesn't seem like uh, Stephen Strange's watch. I've seen some people speculate of that, but that was kind of cracked. And why would anybody want that? It's just, you know, 
mean something to him doesn't mean anything to anybody else. The only thing I can think of is maybe it's some kind of Stark technology. Yeah, so I think there's a couple, um, even a few different out, uh, outlets for this plot device. Um, so one of the interesting things is that this watch is designated as item uh, or lot number 268 in this underground auction. And Avengers issue 268 just happens to be an issue that deals with Kang the Conqueror and some other versions of that character. So it's possible that this could be something that leads to uh, a story that's tied into King the Conqueror, since he's supposed to be the main villain in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania after debuting at the end of Loki earlier this year. Um, I think what's also interesting about this is we still haven't learned who purchased Stark Tower. And uh, the second episode of Hawkeye, uh, Clint goes out of his way to, to mention that the tower was sold a few years ago. And, Interestingly enough, one of the things that we saw in the void in Loki was a variation of Stark Tower that had the name Kang Industries on it, Q-U-E-N-G. And in the comics, that turns out to be a front for Kang the Conqueror. So I'm wondering if there's something tied up here with Kang um, buying Stark Tower, trying to get his hands on Stark Tech, um, maybe something that leads to to Armor Wars. I mean, because we've seen... Uh, in Captain America Civil War, Tony Stark was able to conceal some Iron Man technology in a watch. Um, it, it, the watch turned into basically a glove that um, worked as his repulsor blaster tech. Uh, and then his entire suit fit into his chest plate in Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. So uh, it's definitely possible that it's, it's Stark tech. Um, we don't necessarily know why the, the tracksuit mafia is the ones who want that. Um, but I saw another interesting theory proposed by Screen Crush in one of their Easter egg videos. And that they're they're curious if because the watch is at Avengers Compound, which is also where the Ronin suit and swore, uh, sword were, is if maybe Clint Barton stole it from one of the crime bosses that he encountered during his time as Ronin. And they all they speculate to the point where maybe it's Kingpin's watch, and Traxy Mafia has been commissioned to get it back for him because there have been rumblings that Vincent D'Onofrio is supposed to appear in the series as Kingpin from the Daredevil series. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that later in speculation. Uh, that theory I have heard. Um, okay, so the Tractors of Mafia attack the auction. Kate ends up grabbing the Ronin suit to escape in. Uh, Jack ends up with the sword that he didn't end up winning. It retracts in some kind of cool fashion. It's like a lightsaber, uh, but with a yeah. sword blade. Yeah, I'm not sure if it makes any sense, but sure, it, it looks cool. Um, this whole action sequence was kind of cool with, um, uh, you know, Kate, like, not quite knowing what she's doing. Uh, and uh, the, so the, the, <laughs> the, uh, yes, yeah, so what I want to say uh, about this is, this is, I think, what is so cool about Kate Bishop as a character is because she has confidence for days without being annoyingly arrogant. Uh, she's very self-assured, very self-sufficient. She's very skilled, but she doesn't necessarily always think about the consequences before she does something. And she can be a little bit clumsy in her execution when trying to be brave and courageous. And I really like that about her because it's it kind of fits in with the the vibe of her emulating Hawkeye because Hawkeye is this human in a world fighting against, you know, crazy world-ending stakes alongside gods and super-powered human beings and all these things. And so to have someone like Kate who is, kind of recklessly brave um, and, you know, occasionally stumbles, stumbles into success as opposed to, you know, standing firm while she's doing it. It's, it's, it's very cool because she's obviously skilled, but she's still learning the ropes. Yeah. And I would, I would even say that it's not just she's brave. She's incredibly skilled 
it the the fact is that she doesn't think things through it yeah. seems like yeah. yeah completely um okay so she she holds her own against the tracksuit mafia and they of course recognize her as the ronin who was a thorn in their side in the years of the blip uh kate and lucky dog lucky the pizza dog escape together uh clint realizes that someone has taken up the ronin from a news report on the tv and you might recognize the reporter it's pat kiernan who has appeared as a reporter in a bunch of the Marvel things in the past, uh, Avengers, Iron Man 3, Doctor Strange. Uh, he was actually the uh, reporter on the screen at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home that gives the news report that outs Peter Parker. And uh, he was actually in Daredevil, Defenders, and Punisher, making him the only character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that have, has appeared in the Netflix series. So... Uh, yeah, so that's uh, kind of fun that they keep on using this guy. Uh, Kate breaks into Armin to find him dead and also discover his monogrammed butterscotch candy that comes into play later. Uh, <laughs> and I, if I was going to ask you who, who did this, uh, I'm guessing you're saying that Kate's mom is responsible for this duh yeah okay yeah that's what i think too uh do you think it's that obvious or do you think that we're, we're just good at after d doing the speculation game for quite some time on this podcast do you think we're just more ahead of things and we know that like when everything's pointing in one direction like when the show makes you want to think that it's the you know this uh jack uh that we know it has to be something else yeah, exactly. They're putting so much emphasis on it that like they don't want you to like see that coming. But you know, it's we're used to to twists like that by now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Kate is ambushed by the tracksuit mafia, only to be saved by Clint, who unmasks her to his surprise, realizing who or finding out that it's uh, just some girl that stole the the suit. Um, the second episode begins, and Kate takes Clint back to her apartment which is ambushed again by the tracksuit mafia setting it ablaze. Um, I thought this whole sequence was kind of fun with her, like trying to shoot the, um, the fire uh, extinguisher and yeah, that doesn't work out in the yeah, same it's way. A, it's another perfect example of like her, like having these quick thoughts and acting on them and then having it not necessarily go, go right. And I also love the part with Clint catching the Molotov cocktail and just throwing it right back. Yeah, uh, and they can't go to Avengers Tower, so they end up going to Kate's aunt's house. Yes. And that's an Easter egg, isn't it? It is. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's a, a fairly obscure Easter egg um, because her aunt, as we learn, her name is Moira Brandon. Uh, and this is a character who appeared in Avengers West Coast issue 100. She's a retired movie star whose mansion was purchased by Hawkeye to become the, the base for the West Coast Avengers. And so uh, that character history seems to be intact here because if you look on the wall, uh, there's a movie poster for this old sci-fi movie called Creature from the Dark Galaxy or Creature of the Dark Galaxy. Um, and the two names on the poster as the stars are Moira Brandon and Luke Ballard. And Luke Ballard in itself is also an Easter egg because that's one of Marvel's visual development artists. Yeah, maybe he designed the poster or something. Yeah, it's certainly possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so Clint steals a firefighter's outfit to get into the apartment to recover the Ronin suit, but da-da-da, it's gone. Uh, here's the part of this second episode that I think 
kind of derailed it and seemed a little too comic booky or TV to me. Like Quint is like going back to the fire truck and he notices that on the fire truck there's a sticker for a New York City LARPing group. And he's able to look up uh, the social media post from one of the firefighters who uh, participates in this LARP and he's wearing the Ronin suit. So, so now he needs to go to this LARP to get his costume back. What was was this whole like storyline a little ridiculous to you, or did you like it? So I appreciated like the humor in it and like the giving us a different side of Hawkeye, kind of as he had to deal with these LARPers in his jaded fashion. Um, but then him also having like a little bit of fun as as he's you know starts to do it. It goes back to that whole thing of him having his heart softened as he you know has more encounters with real people who admire him. Um, but the sequence itself, it just, it, it felt it, like this, is this was the sequence where like, I, I was like, okay, this is starting to really feel like uh, a network, you know, procedural show where they're just going out and like, they have these like little tasks to do to, you know, get, get evidence that they need or talk to someone that they need to or something like that. And it just felt cheap. Uh, you know, I, I didn't hate it, but it just, it felt a little bit silly and superfluous for the way the show started. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we should also say that instead of traveling back home with his family, Quint sends his kids by themselves, promising he'll be back in time for Christmas. Uh, this is the personal ticking clock that's going to be uh, for this whole sh- series. Do, do you think, Brad, that he'll actually make it home for Christmas? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he he has to. Like, it's like it's it has to be that heartwarming ending, you yeah. know. Um, I, one thing I do want to point out is there an interesting little potential detail here that might tie into that the potential uh kingpin reveal and, and obviously something bigger happening is uh when he's talking to uh his wife uh played by linda cardellini about what's going on she she's familiar with the tracksuit mafia she's like oh those idiots he's like yeah those idiots and he's like I'm not sure how high it goes so it's like it's almost like they're setting up something of like whoever is above the tracksuit mafia like that's gonna end up being a big deal well, it could go as high as uh, Bishop Security. No, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's true. <laughs> uh, okay, so at at this LARPing thing, I, I should mention that the, the he meets this guy named Grills. And while this show is, like I told you, it's very different and also a lot of similarities to the comics, there's a bunch of roles in this show so far that are characters that are in the comics, but kind of in entirely different forms or different uh, functions. So this guy named Grills uh, is in the comics and he's like one of the neighbors that lives in Hawkeye's uh, apartment building. And the reason why he's called Grills is he's the guy that tends the barbecue grill on the roof when they're all like uh, hanging out. And he ends up being killed by a clown assassin hired by the mob to get to Hawkeye. Hopefully that doesn't happen to this girls. Uh, but anyways, I, I do like the moment here in the sequence where Grills, uh, you know, kind of begs Clint to let him kill him in the LARP, uh, saying that Hawkeye is a hero in real life and that this is as close as he'll, he's ever going to get to being a hero. This is a guy that's a New York City firefighter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's saying that, well, that. And I think that, that just goes to show you, you know, how how much high esteem the Avengers are held in, you know, yeah. for even someone like that to to want to live up to that image. Yeah. Well, I I think they're definitely playing on something here. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't formulated an opinion on what the 
the theme that they're going here, but like, you know, you know, it seems like this whole world is looking up to these superheroes. We see later on, like, you know, them in Times Square and there's like all these people dressed up as, you know, the Avengers and uh, there's this, uh, this Broadway show. There's, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm wondering like, how does Hawkeye fit into this? Because he's like the one guy that doesn't have special powers and maybe he'll end up being like, I don't know. I almost feel like he doesn't understand how he fits into it. Do you know what I mean? And by the, by the end, maybe he'll, he'll find, he'll find some, he'll find how his puzzle feet puzzle piece kind of fits into the equation and maybe uh, can inspire others to, you know, that any ordinary person uh, with, you know, an insane amount of training can <laughs> save the world. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair assessment. I, I feel like there's definitely going to be something like that uh, at the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, oh, it, it, we should um, say that the news reports uh, on Armin's death believe that the Ronin might be responsible. So he's uh, the Ronin has been connected with Armin's death, which is not good. Uh, we have that scene with Kate and Clint in Times Square with the people dressed as Avengers. Uh, it, so funny that Kate thinks that the woman dressed as Hawkeye is dressed as Hawkeye, but she's actually from the Hunger Games movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's so good. Um, and uh, okay, so Kate meets her mother at the bi- at her big security company, Bishop Security, and Jack is there. And um, yeah, really nothing to say about that scene. Um, hey, I want to ask you this: uh, Do you think it's a little bit weird that um, maybe her mom's not? super concerned about the fact that there was a fire in Kate's apartment. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, she did call her, didn't she? Like yeah, she but, left a message and I mean, but there's like <laughs> not a lot of immediate concern there. And it almost seems like she's like, look, digging for information rather than super concerned about what happened. Uh, yeah. You, you might, you might have a point there, Brad, you might have a point. Um, at dinner, uh, Kate and Jack end up fencing, and he kind of ends up letting her win, and she reveals that uh, Jack offers her a butterscotch candy, the same one that was at Armin's apartment. Dun, dun, dun. Does that mean that he was the, the person who killed Armin? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I, th- I think, uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, th- I think there's good reason for him to have, like, one of those candies, right? Like doesn't mean that he had to be there to kill him to have one of those candies. That's just like a red hearing, I think. Um, so Clint is ambushed by the tracksuit mafia again. That's what the tracksuit mafia likes doing. They like ambushing people. Uh, the leader says she wants him alive. And when she said that, when the leader said that, I was uh, immediately thought it was going to be Yelena because oh, in the uh, spoilers – for Black Widow, the movie coming up, but the character Yelena in the post-credits sequence is uh, mourning the death of Black Widow, and up comes um, what's her name? Uh, it's uh, oh my god, uh, whatever Fontaine, uh, Cont- uh, Julie Lewis, Drew Dreyfus, who plays Contessa Valentina Allegra. D. Fontaine. I'm never going to remember that, Brad. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it basically is like, I know the person who is responsible for 
Black Widow's death and then reveals a, a photo of of Hawkeye. Or actually is was it Hawkeye or was it Ronin? No, it was it was Hawkeye. It was Hawkeye, yeah. Okay, so when they said that, I was like, oh, they said her. So and I'm assuming that she's going to be in the show. We we have heard that she's in the show. So I – and obviously that end credit scene leads her into coming into the show. Um, so I thought it was going to be her. Um, so Kate tracks Clint using her Bishop security access and drops in but is quickly apprehended because, uh, you know, guns and stuff. And <laughs> – the cliffhanger of this episode shows us this female character that is listening to music. Uh, it is re- revealed to be Echo. Actually, it's not revealed to be Echo in this. Do they say Echo in this episode? I don't think they do. They do not. Yeah. So we don't even know who she is at the end of this episode, which is kind of weird because it's, the reveal is kind of played almost like we're supposed to know who this is. I don't think so. I think it's just showing, it's just revealing that th- this is who is behind the track suite mafia, at least at this level. And okay. I think, and I think like the more interesting thing is, is like uh, just kind of like the vibe that is presented by this character because she's young, she's, she's deaf, but she's bossing these guys around and you're kind of left curious as to who she is and what she wants, you know, with uh, a Hawkeye B Ronin C the, the watch. Yeah. Uh, in the comics, we know a little bit more about Echo. You know, she's deaf. She That's why you see her feeling the speakers. She's, like, feeling the beat uh, and why her group communicates with, uh, using the sign language. Uh, in the comics, she's able – she has, like, photographic memory, almost kind of like Taskmaster in that she's able to copy another person's abilities just by watching them. So I guess it's kind of like um, – you know, the opposite of Daredevil, where, he, you know, he's blind um, and is able to, he has like a uh, hearing that's like in like super powered hearing. Uh, it, she has almost like super powered vision in that she's able to like, uh, she she could watch like someone playing the piano and she could just go up and play the piano. She could watch, uh, uh, I'm guessing, Hawkeye shoot a bow and arrow and able to do that at expert level of skill so uh that that's what she is in the comics and uh she's also it's it's interesting because this they've already announced that this character is going to have a disney plus tv series of her own called echo so this is a big character that we should care about and it's going to have a, a future in the marvel cinematic universe and the other thing i learned while doing research for this podcast brad is this the the actress that plays this character uh, Laqua Cox mm-hmm. is she well first of all I went to her IMDB she has no other roles on her IMDB this is the, the trivia section says that this is the only acting role that she's ever done besides a background part in a high school play and uh, she as a person is actually deaf uh, she is an amputee with a prosthetic limb and she's Native American, which uh, the character of Echo is Native American. So very interesting that uh, Marvel and Disney hired this uh, this actress who had no previous roles to take on a part that's going to give her own spinoff series. So I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. Do you have any thoughts on the cliffhanger? Uh, no, I think, you know, right now it just serves as an introduction to this character who will – 
likely begin as uh, a villain, but more than likely will turn into a hero. And we'll see exactly what happens, um, you know, as the, the series continues. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to our speculation, Brad. Uh, what does Echo want want with Hawkeye? So I'm betting that she wasn't necessarily after Hawkeye to begin with, but now that they've seen that he's caught up with who they think is Ronan, that they want him uh, because they, you know, they it seems like they got the watch that they wanted if she was the one who wanted the watch anyway. So now I think it's just about them feeling, uh, you know, attacked by Ronan. I'm sure Ronan probably pissed them off at some point before uh, in the past when Jeremy Renner, or Jeremy Renner, Clint Barton was, <laughs> uh, was, um, you know, still had the mantle of that vigilante. And we know he did some pretty brutal uh, stuff during that time because he was so jaded about losing his family. So, I would imagine that there's some kind of uh, probably axe to grind there. Yeah. And we know that they're going to escape from this because, well, there's four more episodes of the show. And yeah. If they didn't escape, that would make no sense. And all, and also last week or two weeks ago, we saw a preview on Disney Plus of an action scene, which looked like maybe their escape or maybe even later on in the series, which was this awesome one-shot action sequence that took place inside a car. It was kind of like the Children of Men action scene yeah um, um one thing i do want to say about echo that uh it could be interesting that could also potentially tie into the kingpin speculation we've been talking mm-hmm. about is that uh in the comics echo's father is um a hitman who is killed by kingpin and part of me wonders if uh ronan maybe crossed paths with kingpin at some point uh, or is responsible for uh maybe maybe the one that is actually responsible for the death of echo's father but it um or she maybe she thinks it's it's ronin but it turns out to be kingpin hmm. if, well, that, yeah. if, if that comes into play yeah in the comics like you said uh her father was killed by kingpin and then she didn't know that and kingpin helped raise her and kingpin sent her to kill daredevil and she eventually learned out the truth and, uh, be, you know, ended up becoming a good guy. So I think your theory there is not far off. Uh, let's talk about Kingpin because you, you brought him up earlier. Um, in the comic, in the comic, in the, I can't talk. In the comics, uh, Tracksuit Mafia are working for Fisk, who is the Kingpin. And we should bring up that uh, Kingpin has appeared in he appeared in the daredevil movie he appeared in the daredevil tv show in the uh tv show he's played by vincent d'onofrio mm-hmm. and last week vincent retweeted a trailer for hawkeye uh you know with a uh quote tweet where saying he was excited about the series hmm yeah he he's been leaning into speculation and stuff like that on Twitter, so it could just be for the fun of it. But <laughs> I think the fact that there's also been rumors that Charlie Cox is appearing as Matt Murdock in Spider-Man No Way Home, that Marvel might be folding Daredevil into the MCU in a more proper fashion. That's interesting, because I, I don't know how you like some of the stuff that happened, like it, it doesn't seem like they're the same universe, but I guess maybe they'll make it work. Um, okay. So I guess, uh, 
other questions I have. Uh, okay, Eleanor. Let's let's talk about Eleanor. So, what is going on with Eleanor? She she runs this big security company. Uh, she probably ended up killing uh, Kate's father uh, for the insurance money. Mm-hmm. Maybe do you think we're going to see a flashback, or we actually see like her like push him off the building or something like that? Yeah, I think I think it's possible, or maybe even like the attack happens, and maybe he gets like hurt and then she sees an opportunity to like finish the job maybe um but yeah there's there's got to be something like that going on so how do you think she fits into all this do you have any theories like other like i mean she obviously seems bad i think we both think that she killed kate's father and killed armand or was or at least was responsible for killing them yeah, I mean, like maybe yeah. she didn't do it. Uh, she didn't kill Armin by herself. Um, what is her goal? What is her objective? I, I mean, part of me wonders if maybe that she's been doing nefarious things for a while, and now she's just in too deep that she's trying to hold on to the power that she has and keep herself um, afloat. Maybe even she's somebody who is potentially at conflict with someone like Kingpin as another crime boss, maybe. Um, I think there's, I think there's some, a lot of possibilities, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it's, I hope it's not something quite as generic as that. I hope that there's maybe a bigger reveal as to like something else that's going on that we don't know about yet. But I think that that's, that's probably at least like part of the key to what's happening. So, uh, I do want to bring up this in the comic book, they have that auction for that tape that I was telling you about and the person who's actually holding the auction uh, was Madame Mask. And there's been some people speculating that maybe Eleanor, that's her uh, alter ego. Um, yeah, I, I think that's certainly possible. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see where this goes. Uh, I guess our big questions are like, you know, what is this watch? You know, who is who is Echo? And who is um, Eleanor? Like, uh, because you even mentioned that line earlier when she was arguing arguing with Armin that like, what was the actual quote? Armin said he's, he's like, I've got powerful friends too. That almost makes it sound like she's not the like the top dog. Well, I think it sounds like Armin's pissed about something she's doing, and maybe he's she's threatening him. Yeah. Do you think uh, Kate's going to have to work with uh, the other Armin, Armin the sixth or Armin the oh, that little kid? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, we should also mention in the comic books, Echo becomes Ronin after Quint kind of gives it up. Yes, so, that's true. So, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm almost curious if Echo, the, the series, could be like almost like a second season of Hawkeye in a way. Or if it is actually going to be a proper spinoff. I don't know. Curious. Okay. So we have a lot of questions uh, for next week's episode. And I'm, I'm curious to see if we find out what this watch is. If we find out who's involved. If we find out. Um, do you think there's a chance at all that that Jack is involved? Like, I think we're assuming that that the mom is the bad guy. 
maybe they're both in on it. Um, maybe I, I'm thinking that maybe she, he was there at the auction to get something for, for her. Maybe, but I honestly think that it's going to turn out that he's just kind of a slime ball and that she yeah. is using, uh, she has a relationship with him as a matter of convenience so that she could weasel her way into whatever, um, Armand has going on. Some, something with their family that like she needed access to or wanted or something like that. Yeah. So how do you think Yelena is going to figure into all this? That's one of the things, yeah, I'm not sure that I'm still waiting to figure out. I, I am imagining that maybe she's just going to show up at some point and just create more problems when Hawkeye and Kate are already, you know, neck deep in all of this nonsense. And that's just going to be another thing um, for them to have to, to deal with. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay, well, if you have any ideas, any speculation that you want to send us in, you could send it to peter.com. Uh, I'll put a link to Brad's Easter eggs article in the show notes. Uh, you can find all of our work at slashfilm.com. You can find this podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Uh, please head on over to our Apple Podcast page. If, if you enjoy these recaps, they take a lot of time and work. Uh, you know, just give us a – write a sentence. They say, you know, uh, Brad and Pete are awesome and give us five stars. That helps more people find this podcast. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you on Friday. <laughs>